0: God's word through Genesis 30, 25 to 36. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my homeland. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and I will be on my way. You know how much I have worked for you, but... Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I'll pay them. Jacob said to him, you know how I have worked for you and how your livestock have fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now, when may I do something for my own household? What shall I give you? Laban asked. Don't give me anything, Jacob replied, but if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks, and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled and spotted sheep, every dark-colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages, and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages, you have paid me. Any goat in my possession that is not speckled or spotted or any lamb that is not dark-colored will be considered stolen. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. That same day, Laban removed all the male goats that were streaked and spotted and all the speckled and spotted female goats, all that had white on them, and all the dark-colored lambs, and he placed them under the care of his sons. Then, He put a three-day journey between himself and Jacob, while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks.
1: Well, good morning. Well, in America, our money says, in God we trust. But the reality is that as human beings, we do not naturally trust in God. Uh, In fact, as human beings, even as believers... We naturally, in our fallenness, in our humanness, trust in ourselves. In me, I trust. Really is, more accurately, the credo of our hearts. It's really stated well, I think, in uh, the song that Frank Sinatra made famous, My Way. Let me just read a few lines from it. I planned each charted course. Each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and spit it out. I faced it all, and I stood tall and did it my way. Last verse says this. Listen carefully. For what is a man, what has he got, if not himself, then he has not. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Did you catch that line? To say the things he truly feels. In other words, hey, we need to live whatever feels. That's what we need to say. That's how we need to live. And not to say the words of one who kneels not submitting to anybody else. I did it my way. That's really the credo of our world, isn't it? And of our fallen humanity as we trust in ourselves. In me, I trust. But when we come to Christ, you see, God is committed to help us learn to live as we were originally created to live before Adam and Eve fell and sin spread to every one of us. God is committed to helping us learn to not trust in ourselves, in me I trust, but to trust in God, in God I trust, to learn to depend on Him. This is a journey that all of us begin as soon as we come to faith, but it's a hard, long journey. It's a journey of brokenness because the flesh doesn't give up easily. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control, and so it's a journey that's hard, and we all face it, as we're broken of our self-dependence and learn to depend on Him. Well, Jacob is in the midst of that journey today in our passage, as he is being broken of his self-dependence and learning to depend on the Lord. And I just want to kind of put us in context of Jacob's life and help us understand how all of us can relate to his life by reading a summary of his life by a, com- a commentator, a Paul Stevens, where he writes this. His story is so universal because it is so personal. He grows up with an emotionally distant father. And Jacob bonds deeply with his mother. The family is fragmented and messy. Can anyone relate? (laughs) While his parents' marriage began in love, his mother and father grew emotionally distant from each other and each parent sought intimacy and solace in a favorite child. In this marriage, there's more speech directed through the children than to their spouse. A distant father, an overbearing mother, an overpowering brother, wives he cannot please, a manipulative father-in-law, children alienated from each other. This is the material not only of Jacob's story, but all too often, it's our own. It is in this messy complexity of life that Jacob's own identity, his vocation, and his spirituality are formed. Forged and hammered in the heat of everyday life, we're privileged to hear every detail from whispers in the honeymoon tent to panic prayers on the eve of a fateful rendezvous. But most important, we get inside Jacob himself to discover what makes him tick. And Paul says this, What drives Jacob is the desire to know the blessing of God. That drive in the heart of Jacob is, I think, the drive in every one of us. We long for God's blessing. We long to be on God's good side. We long for life to go well, to have that taste of heaven that we're so desperate for in a messy, complex life. That's the struggle of faith. We long for that blessing, but how do we get there? And the struggle is we trust too often in ourselves rather than him. Well, in our passage today, Jacob begins with a family, but a pretty messy family. His wives are fighting, and he's got a bunch of kids, unruly kids, and it's a tough situation. And he decides, you know, I was in love with Rachel. That's what I thought I needed, but what I really need is some material blessing. That's what I need. He, he begins the passage with no material blessing. He ends it being extremely wealthy and rich. And that wealth in the Old Testament, material wealth, is really a picture for us as New Testament states of spiritual blessing. God's promise to provide materially for us, but the blessing of God is described in spiritual terms. The peace. The confidence, the spiritual fruits in our lives, the joy, fulfillment, love, etc., that we all deep in our hearts long for. And that's the question for us, is how do we get there? How do we get that blessing? How do we really live in that place of God's blessing? Our tendency, again, is to always try to get it our way, to trust in ourselves. And we see that very clearly in our passage today. And let's look As we look at Jacob's life, and I think we'll see clearly what we tend to trust in when we try to get God's blessing. First of all, we trust in our plans. We tend to trust in our own plans. We see that in Jacob in the passage that Cynthia just read. Jacob is ready to leave. He thinks, I'm never going to get ahead here living with with Laban, my uncle, He keeps ripping me off. He keeps changing my wages. It's a tough place to be. So I'm just going to leave. But he has an idea that if I come to Laban and say, Look, I'm going to take my family. Let me go. He's hoping, I believe, that Laban will provide enough material gain for him, enough wealth for him that he'll be able to get by and go back to Israel, to the land of Canaan. But he comes to Laban and says, you know, let me go. And Laban knows where his meal ticket comes from, doesn't he? (laughs) He knows that the only reason he's been doing well is because Jacob's there. And he tells Jacob, "Um, you know, don't leave me. Don't leave me. I, I need you. You're the reason I've been blessed. So, hey, stick around. Just name your wages. Now, that sounds like it's being generous. But really what he's doing is he's saying, I will not let you go. I will not treat you as a relative by blessing you with material wealth as a gift. I'm going to treat you as a slave, as an employee, and name your wages, but you're going to stay and work for me. Well, Jacob's first plan didn't really work out. So he comes up with another plan. And he says, Okay, I don't need any wages from you. Let's make a deal. You give me all the speckled, spotted goats and sheep and, and the darker sheep, and hey, those will be my wages, and it'll be clear what's mine and what's yours. There's no way I can cheat you that way. He thinks, okay, let's see. In the flock, there's basically up to 10% that tend to be speckled or spotted or dark lambs. So, you know, I'll start with a little flock and maybe I can build them up. So he's, he's scheming, he's planning. This is my way to get ahead. And Laban says, Okay, I'll agree to that. And he immediately separates all the speckled and spotted, that 10%. And he sends him three days' journey so there can't be any crossbreeding. His sons take him far away and he says, Okay, okay Jacob. You can have any of the speckled or spotted and there were none. Zero. So now it's all going to depend on somehow, somehow, the rest of the flock producing speckled, spotted lambs. Notice what Jacob's doing. He's scheming. He's thinking, I've got to figure this out. I've got to figure out how to get blessed because, man, life is not working out very well for me. God hasn't come through for me. Notice he never once prays for God in all this. Praise to God. He never asks God what his plan is. He only comes up with his own plan, figures it out, figures out what he's going to do, and he's trying to depend on himself. God has promised to bless him. But God's kind of let him down, I imagine, in his thinking. Have you ever been there? I certainly have. You know, you pray, God, I need you to take care of this situation. And God seems to delay and delay and delay. And finally, you just think, you know, God's not going to come through, so I better come up with a plan to fix this whatever it might be that we're struggling with. And so we come up with a scheme, we start planning, and we begin working on that plan. We adapt it like Jacob does. You know, We're trying to figure it all out and we're working hard. But notice it's okay to plan. I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. I don't think Scripture says we shouldn't plan. We should. But the question is, as we make our plans, who are we trusting in? ourselves or God? Are we trusting in our plan and our ability to pull it off or are we ultimately trusting in God when you're out of a job? Yeah, you should send out resumes. You should search the internet. But are you depending on all of that and your planning and your scheming to get a job or are you saying, Lord, I'm going to step out, do my best to get a job, but ultimately I'm trusting in you to provide for me. See the difference? The real key that God is concerned about it's what are we trusting in, in ourselves, in our plans, or in him. When you're dealing with a prodigal child, when you're dealing with a spouse that never seems to change, or a difficult boss, a difficult class you, you're struggling with in school, or a friend that has really hurt you, and you're trying to figure out what to do, and Do you depend on the Lord to deal with it ultimately through your plans or do you depend on your plans to work it out? Too often, like Jacob, we haven't learned to trust God fully and so we depend on our planning rather than on Him. Secondly, what we tend to depend on is our self-efforts. Now that we've got a plan, we've got to pull it off, right? We've got to make our plan happen. Let me read verses 37 through 42 of chapter 30. And I want you to pay attention to how many action verbs there are here as you see Jacob trying to work out this plan. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink and they mated when they came to drink. Let me just say there's a play on words here. The word for poplar and the word for white is from the same root as Laban. So his uncle Laban, uh, you're just reminded over and over again in this that all that Jacob's doing, how Laban had manipulated him and used him. He goes on in all his hard work, so the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the gutters so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacobs, early genetic engineering here, right? Doesn't this sound crazy? It sounds pretty bizarre, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, he's working so hard and he's doing this and he's peeling the rods and he's putting them in and he's watching the sheep and when they come, he puts them in when certain sheep are there and takes them out and you just see this frantic activity working hard to try to somehow build this. Doesn't that sound familiar? Don't we do that when, when life gets tough? We start getting frantic and we start depending on our self-effort and we think, I've got to make something happen here. And yet we look at this and we think, how foolish. You're peeling rods and, you think, and you're putting speckled branches in there and you think when they mate in front of those, that's going to create spe- It's just superstition. How foolish is he? But is he really any different than you and I? I mean, we think... We think, oh, oh, we would never be that foolish. And yet, how often do we do things to try to somehow make something happen? And if you really step back and look at it, it's just as superstitious. I mean, man has been trying to control God and get his blessing through our self effort since the beginning of time. It began with early idolatry, you know, people saying, man, the crops, I need rain. And there's somebody in control of the rain, so I've got to figure out something. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll try burning incense, you know, or maybe I'll give them some offering of food. Maybe they're like people, the gods up there. So I'll give them food. And, and if the rains come, then you go, wow, it worked. So you keep doing that, and then you get a bad year, and you think, okay, that's not enough anymore. I need to do something else. And eventually it got to child sacrifice because they kept trying to do more, thinking somehow the gods want more. But we're not that much different. I mean, we knock on wood. We cross our fingers. We do various things to try to somehow get on God's good side to get his blessing. Uh, for us as believers, you know, we're pretty sophisticated. We tend to use religion. Lord, if, if you come through for me, if you do this, I'll go to church every week for a year. I'll read my Bible every day. I'll go to Bible study if you do this, I'll pray more. If you, What is that? It's no different. It's stripping branches and putting them in and just hoping something happens. It's trusting in our own self-effort rather than God. I remember as just a young boy wrestling with this myself, I, I had a vague sense of God up there, but there were certain things I really wanted. I remember I really wanted a G.I. Joe. And this is when they were really cool. Okay? They were the big ones and all the stuff that came with them. But I remember wanting, I'd want something and I would, if I thought, maybe if I try really hard and I want it really badly, I'll get it. But you know, that didn't always work. So then I thought, maybe what I need to do is really pretend like what I want is the opposite and then maybe I'll get what I want. And you know, I tried that a few times and it seemed to kind of work. And then it quit working. But I... I'm telling you, we're we're just not that different. We try to figure out how to get the blessing through our own self-effort, through our own religious activity, through ourselves. So we're just like Jacob. And I would expect God in this story, I would expect God to not bless Jacob. Because I think often God does that. God says, you know, I'm not going to let you depend on your self-effort, so I'm not going to allow it to work. But God doesn't always work the same way, does he? he? He works in a lot of different ways. Listen to verse 43 and what God does. So the man, Jacob, became exceedingly prosperous. In the Hebrew, it's he broke out very, very much. It's it's a description of he just became overwhelmingly wealthy in a supernatural way. Now, wait a minute, God, after all that self effort, what are you doing here? And he had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. He'd gotten so much, he was now buying camels and servants and donkeys, and his wealth was expanding. And boy, it sure like, looks like it worked. Sure looks like it worked. What's up with that, God? (laughs) What are you doing here? Well, let me just say, it's not an encouragement to come up with some crazy scheme and God's going to bless it. It's not. In fact, God is not that concerned about how much external blessing we get. What He's really concerned about is our hearts and how we're learning to trust Him. And He's got a deeper plan for treatment for teaching Jacob to trust him by blessing him than by not at this particular time. But the key that God is always working on, and we need to remember, is that he always wants us to trust him more. Whether he blesses us with a lot or not, what he's after is our hearts, that we might trust him with more and more of who we are. He's got a deeper lesson of faith. So the question is then, well... If spiritual blessing doesn't come through planning or through self-effort, through trying to make it all happen ourselves, through trusting in me, then how does it come? Well, the passage, I think, tells us three different ways in which blessing comes. First of all, blessing comes from God's people. That's a principle we need to understand. It, it comes not by our effort, but it comes from God's people in chapter 30, verse 27, listen to Laban's words. It was already read once, but let me read it again. But Laban said to Jacob, If now it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. Words of great wisdom from a real fool. <laughs> you see, Laban has learned something. When, he, when Jacob's around, he gets blessed. When Jacob's not, Before Jacob came, he didn't get blessed. And so he realized something powerful. Blessing comes through God's people. Jacob was in God's chosen line, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is committed to bless his people, those who are his. And blessing always comes through God's people. It's ever since the promise given to Abraham back in chapter 12. Verse 1 through 3, let me just read 2 and 3. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. We are heirs of that promise. Do you understand that? Because the seed of Abraham was Christ, and everyone who puts their faith in Christ becomes one of God's people, becomes heir to that promise. And the promise says, the blessing to all the world is going to come through my people, those who are of the seed of Abraham, those who have, for us, put their faith in Christ. They are the ones I will bless, even if they're like Jacob and they mess up all the time and don't trust me very well. I will continue to give them my spiritual blessings because that's what I do. I bless my people whether they deserve it or not. So the encouragement to us is, you want to be blessed? Make sure you're in the family of God. Make sure you put your faith in Christ and make sure you are trusting that, Lord, you are going to take care of me and bless me and give me your spiritual life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, etc., the fruits of the Spirit. You are going to be here for me and take care of me simply because I put my faith in you. Not because I do it right. Not because I'm a good planner. Not because of my self-effort. It's simply because I'm your child and you promise to love your children. That's a principle that we know but we so easily forget. Blessing comes through God's people. Secondly, blessing comes from God's presence. From God's presence. Let me read verse 1 through 3 of chapter 31. Now Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father he has made all this wealth. They're getting jealous. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers, to the land of Canaan, to the land of promise, return to the land of your father's. And to your relatives, and notice the end, I will be with you. Why? Because all through the scriptures, that's what God is trying to communicate to his people. Blessing comes from God's presence. We try to get blessing through God's gifts to us, what he provides for us, and he keeps saying, No, the real blessing is me. It's me. It's my presence. I will be with you, Jacob. God came to him and said, I will be with you when you go to Haran. And he was. God's saying now, I will be with you as you go back to Canaan. Why? Because he is our inheritance. He is our source of blessing. He is what we long for. And he longs for us to be truly satisfied in him. That's exactly what Jesus said again. John He said it a number of places, but I'm thinking of John 17, verse 3. He's gathered in the upper room with his disciples, about to say goodbye. That night, he gets arrested. He gets crucified the next day. And he gathers them and he prays to the Father. And he, he talks about giving them eternal life. I've given them that blessing. That's what eternal life is. It's something that begins now and goes on forever. And he says, I've given them that eternal life. And then he defines it. He says, and this is eternal life. Okay, what is it? What's the blessing we're looking for? What I really long for, that life that begins here and goes on forever. What is it? it? says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. It's knowing Him. See, if we could just begin to really live as though that's true, begin to grasp that and understand that it's simply a relationship with Him that I long for, and that He longs for each of us, that we might rest in that and really see that as the blessing, we would begin to find the joy and the peace that we long for. That's why people in Haiti who are struggling horrible under horrible circumstances and yet you keep seeing pictures of them dancing and praising God and worshiping him how can they do that because the blessings in his presence not in his gifts oh if we could only learn that and we in america don't understand that very well because we have so many gifts third blessing comes from god's grace not our efforts but simply from god's grace let me read verses 4 through 10 and just to set the context. Now, Jacob's saying, I've got to leave now. Laban's mad at me. His sons are mad at me. I'm in big trouble. I better head out. God's told me to leave. But I've got to convince my wives. And as you know, man, convincing your wives isn't always easy. <laughs> so listen to his speech. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to his flock in the field and said, I see your father's attitude that it is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. Listen to his words carefully. Jacob, who has just worked on self-effort and done everything to get, this, get rich, and he ended up rich, yet his perspective is that it all came by grace. Notice that. Laban was out to get me, but God of the, father, uh, the God of my fathers has been with me, You know I've served your Father with all my strength, that your Father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. However, God did not allow Him to hurt me. God protected me. If He spoke thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if He spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Thus, God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. And it came about at the time when the flock were mating that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream and behold, the male male goats who were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Notice what he says there. It's profound when you think about Jacob's heart up to this point. He's been working so hard. And he says, you know what I realize? God is the one who blessed me. God is the one who made them made a certain way. It wasn't my poplar rods and, you know, putting them in at certain, all my hard work to make something happen. It was God. How in the world did Jacob understand that because he didn't get it before? How did he come to that place of understanding it? Well, let me read the next few verses, 11 through 13. As he's speaking to his wives, he says this, Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, yo, Lord, basically. He said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land and return to the land of your birth. God came to him in a dream. That's how his perspective changed. He began to see all that I did, that had nothing to do with my getting blessed. It was simply God's... Man, if we could only see that. How do we get there? How do we get to a place of really understanding that, that it all comes by grace? How do we do that? Well, The hint is in that dream. God comes to him and says, lift your eyes. You see, our eyes are so intent on our circumstances and our efforts and what we're doing that we forget to lift our eyes. God comes to Jacob and says, lift your eyes. He had an encounter with God in the dream and he began to look and see all the mottled sheep, all of this, it was all God's doing. You see, we need, in the midst of life, when we're struggling with trusting God, we need to lift our eyes and begin to look for where God's hand is at work. Begin to look at our situation from God's perspective. Begin to see it, not from ours, but from His. How do we do that? Well, to be honest, folks, you've got got to spend time with Him. Jacob, had an encounter in a dream. Sometimes God speaks in a dream, but normally the way God speaks and change our perspective and lifts our eyes is through simply being in the Word. You've got to read His Word. You've got to pray to Him. You've got to beg Him to open your eyes to reality. You've got to beg Him to reveal Himself to you. You have to spend time with Him because otherwise the world just encroaches you on you and forms you into its mold. And if you have a hard time doing that, just begin with five minutes. Five minutes of Bible reading and five minutes of prayer of day. Just commit to that and make it regular. And then after a few months, make it ten minutes of each. And you'll be surprised how God over time will begin to reveal himself and you'll begin to desire that time with him more and more. But you've got to begin somewhere. That's what it takes to lift your eyes and begin to see life from his perspective. Well, in the rest of the section, we won't take time to read it, but Rachel and Leah respond. They say, well, you're right, Jacob. We're ready to go because dad doesn't care about us at all. He's never cared about us. So we're ready to go with you. In the end, Rachel steals the household idols of Laban's. And that'll become an incident later we'll talk about in a few weeks. But why is that? significant well i think at this point it simply reveals rachel's heart that she hasn't learned to trust god yet she's lost she she wants to trust in these idols rather than god that's where she's looking to for blessing well how do we wrap this up well let's just understand that like jacob it's okay to long for god's blessing in fact he wants us to not be satisfied with anything less than his full life that he offers us, his full spiritual blessing, which is so much greater than any material blessing that we might look to here on earth. He wants us to long for that. But God will keep working in our lives, like he was in Jacob's, to, on this journey, help us to trust not in our efforts to get it, not in our plans, not in us, in me I trust, but rather he'll be working so that we truly will learn to trust in Him. And He will not stop until we begin to see, really see, that knowing Him is the greatest blessing that we could possibly experience.